Hello. Hey. <laughs> Good to see you, bud. Good and anybody see listening. Good to l- have you Good. been listening to us in, in, in our mind's, mind's eye. eye? That's exactly right. I can the see third you. Eye. Looking out to all those that might be gazing in. This is Audio Ecstasy back at you again. Uh, today we're talking favorite albums of the 2010s. Yeah. Our top five each. Uh, the albums that still define that period for us. Which is highest. a trippy degree. decade to look back on because I feel like it's the first decade you and I don't even feel like I know it's the first decade that you and me were both like being uh, amateur music critics. Yeah, just engaged with everything that like, the most part the things that were coming out actually like you know making the rounds, reading the blogs, yeah. doing that kind of stuff. Like barely even cognizant of popular music really the last. Uh, decade and the you know six years that i was alive and the decade prior so it was just like that this is really where it all kind of congealed as far as just my taste and identity and you know uh there's so much about me and the things that you know kind of I, everything that i would sort of define myself as that's changed out that period and there are still records that i you know absolutely love that i you know don't sort of recognize the person that i was when i was to certain degrees that was very into that music but it still hits in a very Similar spot, and there are you know things that I'm still kind of discovering about a lot of these records. So yeah, this is I feel like this is like my decade in terms of yeah. uh, like when like you look back on like oh I was like a '90s kid or whatever. Like I feel like this is the decade that like is the culture that I yeah and I I uh, connect with. You've definitely about. recognized, or you've mentioned that like you're kind of just a what '08 to like. A, 13 kind of indie person or in terms of like really keeping up with yeah like the shit but even i don't know i'm a well i think a lot of that too was just those specific art like there were a lot of just your favorite band came like out in, those, in general was just coming around at yeah, that time and it yeah. speaks obviously of course to your age but also just you know the sort of things that make sense with what you were into at that time and came down largely to define a lot of what you're into still today to a large degree and i mean that's very true for me as well like a little bit later on but um there were yeah, questions born in that period that have yet to be answered still. Yeah, we're still mining through them. Still mining through them. Year of our Lord, 2022. Yeah. Uh, before, before we get into the heavy shit, yeah. <laughs> should we fucking Very light, just, fluffy shit. That just do some light, Everyday stuff. Shit. Go ahead. I'm going to ask you, man. Yeah, please. What have you been jamming on lately? What have I been jamming on? Um, so... I always am kind of hesitant to talk new records because there's like a handful of stuff that I'm going to be probably recommending at any point, you know, down the line. But there's always so much that comes out. So it's just like, OK, whatever. I'll try to slip the difference here with, you know, stuff from all over the place. But I've been listening to a lot of the new Girl Pro record, Forgiveness. Uh, I've been enjoying that. Uh, yeah, uh, there are two piece. I forget where they're from. I think they might be based in New York or at least what they were for a while. I'm honestly, I have no idea, but it was like an indie pop kind of twee folk rock duo that have gradually evolved into a really sort of more abstract, sophisticated kind of electronic pop group. And, uh, yeah, the record's pretty tight. Um, I don't know if you listen to any of the records, but this is a really, yeah, it's kind of, uh, hard to believe that, yeah, they got into this place if you heard some of the earlier ones, but it's a cool progression and definitely a record that I'd recommend checking out. And then, also, uh, Hey, I Love You. I'm blanking on the name of this record, but they're kind of a... The emo. name of the group is Hey, I Love You? Yeah, the name of this group is... Jesus Christ. Hey, comma, I-L-Y. Okay, this and stuff's this, is, this, this shit is very much not for you. This is like fifth wave emo Nintendo core, like totally not, not your bag at all. Core, That's what? what they define themselves as. This is not my... How I'm yeah, framing bro. it. This is just like, you know, band camp identification here. Oh, but dude, it's Sega Wave. Sega Wave's tight. Don't be hating okay. Or Simpson Wave, for that matter. I mean, these are... 
all valid genres. Oh, but uh, also, I have been finally kind of making the rounds on a Van Morrison. Finally, oh, like okay. he's an artist that I've you know been aware of for the vast majority of my life. He's my dad's favorite artist, by the way. That I, hey, I love your record's called Psychonetic Love Songs. What is it? Very good. Psychokinetic Can, Love Songs by Psycho. What? Psychokinetic Love Songs is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really not. Um, what the fuck was I? Oh yeah, so that and the man, baby. Well, yeah, no, before the, yeah, so like yeah, obviously this, this isn't for you, but Whirlpool maybe who knows? There's other things as well that have kind of. I mean, there's just been a lot as of late, but like Van Morrison's been yeah an artist that I've been very into for a while as my dad's favorite artist, and like I just have kind of been like okay, well I'm gonna start ripping through all of it, and uh, yeah, I mean the first three I've known for a while, and it yeah, I mean. You've mentioned before that like you know Astral Weeks is sort of a perfect spring record, and I mean it just it is one. incredible right now. It yeah, absolutely. There Sweet is just, thing that title track. Yeah, they're just the the whole like yeah hallucinogenic sort of amorphous kind of compositional this, this nature of the you know the arrangements and his just kind of stream of consciousness like uh, kind of prose. I mean it really is just such a you know gorgeous record to just kind of wake up to on a beautiful spring morning. But uh, what about you though? What have you been on? I've been getting into Graham Parsons a bunch. I've been getting oh, into country a lot more. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, uh, and Graham Parsons specifically, he's like someone who I'm surprised. He like falls into that wheelhouse of artists that I feel like I should know. And like I'm surprised my dad doesn't know. Like I was asking my dad the other day and it was just surprising that like he hadn't listened to him. But um, really cool dude. Like he started out in this band, the International Submarine Band. Then he joined the Birds and like he made one country album with them for like joined them for like six months and dipped. And then started the Flying Burrito Brothers, which is a cool other band. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten into them yet. I've listened to that one Birds record, uh, Sweetheart of the Rodeo, really good. And then I've gotten into his two solo albums that he has before he dies. But uh, yeah, so I've been I've been loving those. And then other than that, oh, I think that's about it. Yeah, that and just like did a little Merle Haggard digging. Oki from oh, the Shokey's been okay, a big cool. one for me. Yeah, yeah, right on, man. Yeah. This is yeah I that I mentioned it last time too that, yeah this is just still such a blind spot but Grand Parsons is definitely a name that, like Flying Burrito Brothers for sure just that group like it's kind of been it's like something just on the periphery that I've been curious about for a while but never really kind of dug into so I would like to check that out at some point and then yeah the solo works as well that pedal steel right now this has just got my ear yeah dude I'm loving the pedal steel it sounds Love so good like steel. yeah whether it's Alex D or Big Thief I mean you know a lot of just like <laughs> contemporary stuff that like has just been really kind of utilizing it really you know tasteful ways that it just yeah not a lot of stuff that like I I not something that I heard a lot of and was like necessarily that drawn to for a while but you know, it's uh, it's you know, another exciting instrument. It's fun to just see how you know, uh, whatever things like that kind of shift. And like, uh, with uh, you know, Big Thief, we talked about this earlier. They're very much uh, you know, a band that I love and the kind of act that like, you know, can do a lot of sort of different things. And then I'm not somebody that is really all that into country music whatsoever. And like, they, I wouldn't even say that they Boo. have done straight up country, but like, it is like a you know, kind of country tinge sort of folk rock. And Bro, they you need to get out. Of, you need to get out of your echo and chamber. That's the thing. You need I to know, get out yeah, of your little socialist this, Facebook. Your groups <laughs> that you're in, Dylan. They're you know, these are these are your anarchists. Brain. Excuse your mouth. Whatever, dude. You get into country, hardcore country. I'm not oh, talking yeah. about country rock. I'm not talking. No, I know. About and that's the thing is that like, the, 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 we need stuff like this as gateways to like others, like pure distillations of like what they're influenced by. And so like, I'm not saying that like the buck stops here, but like this is. Hearing records like I mean again, Speaking it's like of the stuff buck, on. I've been getting into Buck Owens, and that's what about Buck Meek? 
No Buck Meek? No, I'm, Buck Owens? I'm, I'm Owens over Meek. Oh, well, that's fair. That's, that's totally fair. I mean, Owens doesn't have a hat game that's anything like Meek's. But oh, really? Own, really? I've seen some Owens. Ha- I mean, it's fine. Okay. Perfectly serviceable hat wear. Well, but it's just not on Meek's level. That's fine. Now I'm heating up. I get it. Now I'm It's all right. Hot. You know, these are the hot topics to be Woo! going over. But, uh, yeah, so with uh, stuff like that, I mean, you know, it's it just kind of, I don't know, it gets me thinking about just things that I really should be kind of exposing myself more to and like after weeks is one of those things too where it's just like oh yeah i don't listen to stuff a lot of things that kind of fall within that but like yeah i, I mean i would like to kind of get more into just like straight up like atmospheric kind of like singer songwriter long range like kind of guitar playing like steve gunn uh you know things like that like whatever like I, riley walker what have you like i think uh i probably appreciate that stuff more than i think that i probably would have thought in the past and uh just to circle back to big thief i actually saw them again recently in uh riviera theater in chicago and Oh, I didn't uh, even go to Chi-Town for that. Yeah, I was uh, Chicago with some friends, and uh, yeah, it was a really, really great set. Uh, Adrian Lanker, like, hurt her back, I think, doing, I, I don't even, I, like, just, like, from going too hard, essentially, just, like, you know, uh, performing aggressively. on stage? Uh, what was that, sorry? She got hurt on stage? She, like, or she, I mean, yeah, she was, like, it was, like, just through performing and, like, moshing or whatever, but, like, she, not literally moshing, but, like, just, yeah, basically just, like, going too hard, like, performing, and she, I don't know if it was a sprain or what, but she had to sit down through the whole performance, and I heard it was the same thing at the Royal Oak Show, and so it was definitely a more subdued set than it would have been otherwise, but they fucking absolutely brought it. Like, they, I mean, oh, what was it? This is your third time seeing them live. Third right? time seeing them live, yeah. And I do think that, like, they are, you know, a band that just, I mean, they get better all the time in every yeah. sense. And, like, it's just so amazing to see a group like this that where there's a clear kind of, you know, handicap literally just out of the gates right there. And it'd be reasonable to expect that this would be, you know, the worst set of theirs today just because they are so tight and just always so on. But, like, I mean, they just get better and better. And uh, Adrian's brother came on uh, stage and is doing some... Um, I forget what the like, it's like a bow harp or something. He was playing some instrument, and they went into like their the uh, encore, the finale, of the whole show was um, Red Moon, which is just fucking perfect. Yeah, and they favorite interpolated song. a favorite song on that record for sure. Yeah. They interpolated some uh, simulation swarm throughout, and in the middle of that, and yeah, I mean, it's just it was really really great set, and uh, it still just kind of reaffirms uh, my thoughts that they are very much a band that I could recommend to anybody to see. If anybody anybody that's into live music at all, I mean, they're Absolutely a must-see like, in general. Yeah, and, and I mean, you you only saw that pitchfork set, but I mean, you can attest to it. That was an yeah, incredible performance. It blew me away, and they're, they're like, they're I feel like one of the few contemporary bands that I can say I've seen where they, I do think they're like better live. Like it's like a distinctly yeah. Well, like, it's, it it feels so distinctly different. Like it is something where like you, you know, however whatever your mileage is, if you're a live person, it's just like oh yeah, this is so far removed from just how it feels. Good idea like, live for some of those yeah, live. Like, yeah, if you're like somebody guys. that like you're one of those cats that seeks out the lives, <laughs> Stuff, you know, yeah. not content just hearing it on your headphones. You're a jazz bow. <laughs> <laughs> I got a rock record for you, oh, Johnny you, Jazz. Johnny Jazz, cats and kittens out there. What is it? Called? Let me see if I can do this. Dragon, Dragon, New Morning. Dragon, Dragon New no, Morning. No, 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 no. I want to get it done. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Dragon New Morning Mountain. Dragon New Morning Mountain, man. I love you, sir. That's it. That's First, it. Second, well, second try because I fucked it up, but like you got it. Good job. Dragon New Morning Dragon New Morning Mountain, man. I love you, sir. Yeah. Okay. Right. It's a great album title. So, I mean, it's, it is my favorite longer, album of the year. A little long. It's just barely like kind of crossing that threshold of being obnoxious, but it is still my favorite album title as yeah. well of the year. Um, yeah. So 
You ready to get into this? Yeah, I think so. Let's get into this okay. thing. So we each got five records from 2010. I think that we each got five. To, to the end of 2019. 2010 to the end of 2019, yes. Also known as the beginning of 2020. But Correct. time is, you know, it's weird. It's a spectrum. Sure. All right, let's let's let let me pull up my notes app here and let's get into it. You want to go with number one, or you want me to come in hot with one? Uh, whatever you feel like doing. I mean, if you've got it ready to go, please by all means. <laughs> let's wake it up. Let's talk about music. I'm gonna do mine. <laughs> I wish we had drops. That would be one of. Oh, we, we could play a clip of "Wake Up" by Arkansas. They're back, baby. Let's wake it. All right, I'm coming in hot. I'm coming in with. Boney Vare's 2016 22 a million. Oh, okay. As Wait. I name these off, I want to get, I want to know if you if you saw it coming. Did you see that one coming? Well, see, yes and no, only because I would have, if not for the fact that you had said that II was your favorite Boney Vare record, and tough. then you were like, I'm not doing any double ups, and so I was like, okay, like if he's gonna pick one Boney Vare record, it's gonna be II. But oh, like I you're knew gonna hold, that you're like hold me to that cross, huh? Dylan? Well, it's just that was the only thing that was surprising about it. I knew for a while, even it's, like the year that it came out, that 22 million was your favorite of his. It had just it kind of seemed like it crept up. It's in the really sense. tough to decide between those two. Those two are like I could go either way on those. They feel day. much sim- more similar in spirit than, and I mean across the board than the first two do. It's just yeah. like very much a different, whole different part of his yeah. career arc. Like, so all right, I guess to get into like what it is for me. So I mean, I'm Bon Iver is one of those like we were talking about like a 2008 uh, artist. Like yeah, my class of tw- 2008. Yeah, my class of 2000. My class of 2008, <laughs> which is like Bon Iver, Vampire Weekend, Fleet Foxes. Uh, I'm going to throw They're not really that, but like Dirty Projectors, Bit of Orca came in, out the next year. And I think of them as part of that scene, whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anyways, so yeah, Bon Iver, one of the first like contemporary indie rock acts I got into, got really into that first album from a forever ago. One of those artists who have, I've liked every album along the way. And they're also one of those artists where they change their sound each bit along the way. And I really mm-hmm. appreciate it. And this one was such a huge jump. I mean, this one especially coming from that acoustic angle to put out this one where it's like, I don't think there's any like acoustic guitar really. Well, there is, but like it's, it's very minimal and it's, and it's just like profits and it's not it's, like just yeah. got played and there's off. no like straightforward dude with acoustic guitar right. songs, which yeah. is what that first album was. So like that is like Bon Iver had become such an image and like a stereotype of like man in the woods with a flannel shirt. Like literally the, the, the myth of like going to the woods and cutting yeah. the album oh, and alone. That's the, and that like, was, it's one of those things too. And it's interesting because that like, came out in 2007 and not that like oh it just completely co- it's because of the fact that like facebook was a thing or whatever but it, there, it is interesting that like you were getting to a period where like you know there were music blogs where it's still like you know major tastemakers and there was something to be said about like the the whole mythos of that and the narrative being such a huge yeah. like playing into it in a way where it was like okay like this is gonna you know it just goes so much beyond like what the music speaks to because of just what you're gonna project onto it but obviously it is i mean Whatever, obviously, I, th- I think it's the record that it absolutely holds up. I mean, I think right. all of them hold up except for the last one. But you and, know, it's only been a couple of years, so let's not even get into it. But. And then though, it ripples off into that whole mm-hmm. banjo wave genre. I don't yeah. know what the name actually is for it. There's, I'm the sure, there's hey, ho. hey ho, hey ho, hey ho, core. Yeah. Okay, I like that. That's that's, right. that's funnier. Yeah. Um, which is like your, you know, Mumford and Sons, Lumineers. Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of other, I'm sure, like those are the big dogs. C-less. Those are the big dogs <laughs> yeah. of the genre. Of Ed- Monsters Edward and Men. Edward Sharp. Okay, is that is Edward Sharp might be. I'm not. I'm not. Home, but uh, anyways, I hate. Yeah. Anyways, I personally, not to come with negative energy, I kind of hate all that shit. Wow, dude. <laughs> and I no, think it's, it's a classic weird. narcissism of small differences <laughs> where it's like close to yeah. stuff. I I grew up as like an, you know, I love Neil Young, I love Bob Dylan, like right. acoustic guitar singer songwriter shit, and that stuff sucks so much. And I feel like mm-hmm. for me, 
by the time 2016 came around, that had really crystallized as being like a post Bon Iver. Like it had already come and passed. And so for this to like. Oh, let's not skip over the self title. I mean, when the self title, it was just like, they, was they, like just because of the that. fact that, like, there was, like you said, just the hey ho. It was like, the, that, was that kind of a left, yeah, yeah, that left right. turn right there really kind of cemented him set as a, an album artist, like a lifetime. That's, set, kind of, I feel like, yeah, that set a tone of, like, okay, I'm not just this one sound. Yeah. I don't even think he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who even is, like, actively, like, oh, I want to show no. I'm not that. I don't think that, like, it, well, it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was just some, on some level, part of that, but I don't think that it, it is driven purely by, right. like, like, there is so much. I mean, obviously, the way like a Bob Dylan would like totally read the press and be like, that's not who I am. But so then this one to me was like he doubled down on that shit. It was like it made it made that self-titled album like a literal middle ground where like that had felt like a big turn. Suddenly that was only like half the bet. Like he had doubled down on it with this one where it's just like completely. uh, I don't know. It's like I hate to use like art terms for it, but like cubist. It's very like the same way like. uh, Mm -hmm. Dark Twisted Fantasy is where it's like fragmented and like there's a bunch of like the vocal processes and vocal processing and it's just very like collage based. It's just yeah. really interesting and like, yeah, um, the big songs for me on that one, like literally everything. I can't even, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to say big songs. These are my top five albums of the decade. They're going to be like, guess what? I like the music. Just across the board. Yeah, like yeah, the ideal. Like, yeah, that's the thing, too. It's, it is fun to just talk about yeah, specifically what makes highlights highlights, but it's just like, oh, yeah, everything's a highlight. I mean, I love, yeah. I can talk, talk about every single song and why I love every single song. Yeah, I mean, this, this album's my like, mom. Guess what? I love her. <laughs> I do remember, I, I've always liked this record quite a bit. I remember this was the first Bon Iver record that I was ever writing about. Yeah. And when those singles were coming out, it was really exciting. I was like, this is the first one I'm actually here for. I'm really excited for it. And like, it like exceeded my expectations. I remember actually talking to you in the bitter end, being like, "Yeah, this record's gonna get a ten, no doubt. Like, oh, this is man. gonna be perfect." I don't know if you remember that, but I re- distinctly remember just like when, we, I yeah, we were like, just like very much, like just incredibly, you know, uh, anticipating this thing. And yeah, I think it completely delivered. And it is, I mean, still my favorite record of his for sure. I yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's seen because I, I even remember putting out like a Facebook says I can't remember if it like leaked before or something. Or if the Pitchfork review maybe just took a week or so to come out. I feel like with big albums, sometimes they do, like, they'll, like, wait a week to, like, really yeah. digest the it. Friday shit. after. If it's one that, they, yeah, that they don't get, like, a press release on. Mm-hmm. But I remember, yeah, I remember putting out, like, a Facebook status, like, it was so over the top. Just, like, this is f- fucking bitches brew was for the 70s. This is, like, the whole, this is music's changing again, folks. Get ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it was just. You thought Hey Ho Core was fun? Wait till you see what comes Guess after this. What? My guy found out about samplers. So things he's got the OP1 now. Things are a little different. But I do I say that, but I also feel like that album is while it obviously didn't do that. <laughs> I do feel like it's spoken of by people though in that way still. Like it's understood as an as like a bitches brew style record in the sense of like like what we're talking about, where an artist has like fully mastered one sound and then comes out with something that's like totally new and like just like reborn as a whole new style that is like also its own thing like i don't think anything really 22 a million does have its own sound sort of and like it came out it sounded fresh it didn't like you yeah. can make references like it is like it's boniverse kid a but like 
Well, that's the thing too. It's, it's, it is very similar to Kid A in that way, where there are some like very like obvious reference points, but like it doesn't sound it derivative anyway. It doesn't. There's nothing that sounds quite like that. It just sounds like it's like now. It's like in retrospect, it's like the Boney Bear sound. It's like oh yeah, there's like a bunch of auto tune vocals and there's like They're saxophones just, that have been right. like processed. Weird processed like, sounds and organic warm instrumentation processed. Like you saying a lot of negative space. It's all. It's just such a great record. It is. I yeah. guess I do like it. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think you might like it after yeah. all. Yeah. yeah. All right, so what do you what do we got off the top of your? All right, so I I'm curious because I okay, so like, yeah, I wonder if you'll. There's one for sure that I was hinting at earlier that you're gonna know that I'm I'm pretty I, surprised that it's not in your five, and it's it'll be cool to see this not happen. But I've got two for, for in terms of guessing yours. Well, you know two of them for sure because I'm thinking about my number. Oh no, there's gotta be three at least. My number one's gotta be obvious too. Too. If you think about my my dogs. <laughs> dogs. Like my my the dog like my my big dogs. My like, big dogs. I let's just get into it because I right now only two are jumping to mind. The one we were hinting at before, yeah, and then one that ha- yeah. Let's let's just right, get, get into, into it. it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Number five it. is uh, Housing Digest by Deer Hunter. Oh yeah, yeah. you know what? Yeah, okay. These it's a, some, it's these a long are my, decade. Yeah. The long decade. It is a long decade. It will I be mean, known in history as the long decade. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot of 2010 core stuff coming up through here. Uh, yeah, this is a record that it did come out in 2010. It's Deer Hunter's fifth record or fourth, depending on your mileage on the whole weird yeah. era of Michael Castle. Yeah, thing. It does not hold up. What, what, no, yeah, the, the idea of that. Love, well, no, this, I was like, no, the <laughs> album. I'm kidding because I love this the album. On the whole, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I. <laughs> this album. Yeah, it is. Uh, I. I think pretty one of those records that like is kind of simultaneously one of their most accessible if not their most accessible while also being kind of their most revered and celebrated record um it's not yeah just kind of an interesting thing in that way and it does feel like a culmination of just kind of what the had been building towards with cryptograms and even the trade turn it up faggot uh lp before that mm-hmm. um but i feel like this was like peak deer hunter at their does that seem right to you? Like, Monomania was, like, the first, like... Yeah. Of, I love Monomania. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. That well, seemed like a drop down in commercial and critical. Like, they weren't rising. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the, the, this was it's very similar to, like, yeah, Mary by the Post. Yeah, in yeah. that way, just... Totally. Well, the obvious, I mean, being, like, a year prior, but also that, that kind of thing, where it was just, like, building up so much underground buzz and then, like, kind of cleaning up their sound and, like, kind of well, sort of polishing things up and also drawing from other influences and sort of shifting in a way that felt organic, but it was also just much more totally, immediate. And, like, totally. very, very... Just kind of, kind of progression. It's not surprising that Atlas sound open for Animal Collective on the Meriwether tour and that like you know uh, Panda Bear and uh, Bradford Cox the front man of Deer Hunter collaborated on the song Walkabout which was on the solo record logos of the second Atlas sound record mm-hmm. so yeah there's obviously similarities and kinship there but yeah Deer Hunter uh, I mean they kind of emer- they're a five piece from Atlanta Georgia on Helsing Digest they were just four people on there Bradford Cox Lockett Punt the lead guitarist long time lead guitarist Moses Archuleta long time uh, drummer and uh, Josh Favior Favor, who is their uh, original bassist, who actually passed away. John Favreau. I wish it was John Favreau. No, <laughs> I forget how you pronounce his. Name. It's uh, John, that, John that's, Favor. That's I think. the same one who was on uh, the one who nothing had, nothing ever happened. On yeah, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he had been the bassist up to I think this record, and then he I think he left after this, and then I mean he had passed away. I don't remember what year it was, but yeah, it was. This is the last year on record that he played yeah. on, and I mean, he incredible bassist, really. Like, especially with a record like this too, where like there's a, a much more eclectic kind of uh, instrumental palette on here. You've got like just more acoustic arrangement, while some other electronic embellishments. You've got like uh, saxophone and you know just kind of other things that you hadn't heard on prior year on records, but it's also a little bit you know just airier and more minimal. It's not quite as just like crammed with sound as something like Cryptograms or Weird Era. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, like, I think with something like this, it's like the bass lines ring loud and clear and they sound terrific. And there's also a large part of that, too, is I, I, we've talked a little bit about Benny Challen. I'm not sure if you're, like, just super familiar with his. He's a producer. He did uh, Mary of the Post Pavilion and Helsing Digest. And oh, okay. he was, like, I mean, known for doing, like, I think he produced a Neural Sparkly record and some other. I'm not exactly sure. Like, just a lot of just general yeah, so kind of pop music like up to this i don't so know you're th- that's like your three right there so it's like gnarls uh do your hunter now yeah yeah. Yeah, go, yeah that's right yeah that's, yeah there was a well three of the four on my mount rushmore yeah, like we stay tuned for number four <laughs> be thinking gnarls barkley when this uh, when this album came out had you already been a deer hunter fan was no, this one you no, were no. Like, this is the one that got you yeah uh, the, no i'm sorry the, the one that got me was monomania and it is literally oh. just because of that sort of thing where I started paying attention to music criticism in 2012. And so Modern Media comes out in spring of 2013. And I feel like I actually I actually may have heard Microcastle before that point because I, I know that I was actually anticipating Monomania. Monomania okay. was the first one that came out that I was like, oh, yeah, I, I whatever, excited to be a Deer Hunter fan. But I actually vaguely remember being hyped on it. And so I hadn't – I'm pretty sure I hadn't heard Housing Digest yet, but I think Microcastle was the first one I heard, and it was definitely just love it first year. Yeah. Listen, I mean – Mike, that's another one for, like, of that Isn't that your, your favorite of uh, the Deer Yeah. I was actually going to bring and that up. Two- with that, I was like, I'm not sure if, like, Deer Hunter really kind of falls within that, like, kind of collection of bands right there, but I know that Microcastle that was a big those, record, and it came out no way. One so. of those album covers that I first remember, like, associating with, like, that world of, like – blog indie yeah like just mm-hmm. that that pink cover that face tj was really into it at the time yeah it, yeah anyways yeah so i mean and then, yeah they were I mean, it was very much that sort of thing where they felt like just the kind of you know i, I think of like platonic ideal of just like an indie rock band during that sort of period and like very much like, like i said when it, it, they on cryptograms they you know, that was like the first record where they kind of really locked everything in and it's just like you've got like you know psych pop and post-punk and like some ambient stuff on here it's just like you know, filtered so cohesively and there's just so much detail and texture and the great melodies. I mean, it was just so much of just what I loved at the time. It didn't really, what kind of came to love as I got kind of just more into music. And uh, yeah, they've just been, you know, truly an all-time favorite band of mine. And uh, this is definitely my favorite, you know, record that uh, came out throughout the 2010s. I think Weird Arrow Continued still might be my favorite, but they're, I mean, again, it is something where I feel like they are so interchangeable on some level because they just are all on such a high, like kind of echelon for me. And I think that, Healthy and Digest, I mean, it really is like sort of them at their melodic peak, I think, in yeah. a sense that like, you know, the, some of the strongest melodies that Cox or Lock Upon, who sings on two of these, uh, have ever sung. And you've got like Desire Lions, which is a pun song on here and just Come an on. absolute fucking showstopper. You would have Hel- laughed. I mean, yeah, it was like, yeah, as, as much as I was like, you know, we must have fucking bring up a, or just, you know, it being an absurd thing to just kind of pick this apart. There are just some incredible, just remarkable things that just don't sound anything like anything they attempted before, but were, are, you know, incredible songs. And something like, and uh, he would have laughed, like that is just such a f- absolute show-stopping uh, finale. I remember actually talking to you about this at Potter's and you know, bringing up that, like, this wasn't the best song on here, and you're like, no, uh, shut the fuck up, this absolutely is. And then yeah, we oh, listened through so. to it, and I was like, yeah, man, you're right. This, I, this I is, it's yeah, be. it is. It, for, it, it's one of their best songs, period. Yeah, I mean, it really that- I feel like the, that and nothing ever happened to like crown all time. Yeah, just yeah. true all timers. Yeah, I mean, yep. but so yeah, they and I, I like Monomania quite a bit. I like Fading Frontier. The last one left me a little cold. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I think uh, how is everything still? I, they always have oh, man. What is that? Yeah, I haven't listened to those last two albums still. But they oh, always, you haven't heard Fading Frontier? No, they okay. always still. I think have just like great titles. Great, like as someone who's seen them from the outside and hasn't listened to them. Why so hasn't I can't even everything speak already disappeared? That's the great. Last one. Okay, great album titles, titles. Great artwork. There's the world. Always the aesthetic. Looks, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. It's always like I'm yeah. there for it. Like yeah. let's go. You got me. I'm sucked in. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'd be curious to. I, I think that you would dig fading friend. Have you heard cryptograms by chance? No, because I know that like we've really kind of st- yeah it was like really just like the 08 to 13 <laughs> stuff. And so I mean I think you should absolutely hear cryptograms and fading frontier. Strongly, strongly recommend. And I mean they've got a, like a handful of great EPs and celebrations and stuff. But like yeah I mean for anybody that hasn't heard Deer Hunter, I mean House like. Microcastle, maybe depending on your mileage, but okay, I think across the board, Healthy Digest is probably just the best place to start, even yeah. though it's, you know, by some, yeah, I some like a lot of people would just consider it still the best, but yeah. Uh, so, you want to go ahead with your four? Yeah, uh, all right. So, or, I mean, sorry, uh, we're, we're talking five favorites of the decade, but there is no order with this here. No, it's just like, you know, the fourth one, that you're, second one that you're going to be bringing up, basically. I, just, I, I don't, I don't want to put you in that, like, make no. it seem like this is actually where I'm directing you. The yeah. Second record that you're going to be talking about. I'm going to go with uh, a little record that. Fucking stop me from doing music criticism, kind of like oh. Yeezus. Oh. Up until Yeezus came out, I was deep in my game. I was that's that's why 2013 is where I cut off. Cause well, I thought album. it was 2014 because I remember you're writing about Benji and some of these other things. Yeah, but, I was, but it's but I Yeezus was down. the record Yeezus where it felt like it really my tracks. That is, we've never talked about this. Oh yeah, Yeezus just like because I like that came out. And that was all I wanted to listen to for like the rest of the year. It was like that was like the. One album I can think of in my lifetime where it just like totally like, like it changed how I dressed, it changed it for like, you know, like it just like I feel like it shifted everything for me for like mm-hmm. a minute in time and stuff. It was, yeah. Um, tw- yeah, 2013, you know, Kanye had just done Dark Twisted, which is like I feel like one of the last albums where it came out was it, in, I shouldn't say one of the last, but yeah, it was like an album that came out, it was immediately treated like a classic, like a, like a, uh, zenith moment on like a legacy artist career he'd already put out like five albums or something four i guess and then that one and that was like the peak and so it was really interesting to be like what's this guy gonna do next and i was with him for two like i'm, I'm on this ride now love dark twisted when it came out mm-hmm. was stoked and that's what got you on board like you were wasn't that right like that that <sighs> dark twisted was sort of worried like you had dark twisted was the first one i went into the release being a kanye fan for. oh okay i got you yeah. okay never mind i but, so yeah this it doesn't really necessarily matter but like you were not like necessarily so long in the trajectory it was like oh yeah like you had been coming up to this like obviously made the whatever it was but like Yeezus was something where it's just like oh yeah this guy like Yeezus, we are we have arrived he, he was by the time when Yeezus before Yeezus had come out Kanye was already in my head as like my favorite artist mm-hmm. and like yeah and so like Yeezus came out and he did uh, Black Skinhead and New Slaves on SNL and it was yep. just like I remember I'll always remember seeing those on TV and like just incredible live performances like I mean this is one of my favorite album rollouts ever he did like the live projected video of new slaves like on cities across the world he would like project his face on walls of just him like rapping it anyways yeah this album another one like 22 million where it's like an artist totally just changing their sound i love like a legitimate like real hard left turn pivot after the record that came before it and then also like 22 million is just a funny one where now in retrospect it's like all those moves are just like part of the kanye set well that and that's the thing is that when you zoom out once you're not in the moment of it because part of that too is the artist is still defining themselves in real time so it's like you don't really have like well you mean obviously that's what you're speaking to but like you really like until you kind of have a much better sense and they have a a whatever like a better sense of like what they're capable of and what they want to do it just it all depending whatever you have these the preconceived notions are hard to shake no matter 
how, how they end up progressing. Yeah. It's still just like to a certain degree, it, you can't help but be really shocked by something like that if you're invested. And but, yeah. and I mean, and Timmy took those. Yeah, he took a gamble and it fucking paid off. It's, mm-hmm. it's I mean, it was and a divisive quick, album. There weren't any singles, right? Like Black Skin had new well, songs. Weren't were they released as singles? They came out f- and singles just in the sense that they came. They out came before out before the, the record album. came out. Yeah, they, okay. I, I gotcha. want to say there was like a month in between. Because I thought they were like literally premiered and then like the record came out, but like they no, had, there was okay. like a month in between. There was a month where I can remember. You know, maybe you're right that they. It, so it's a different. It just time. It seemed like it was such a like a like a real like he just was not like going through the motions of it. He was just completely like fuck you. I'm doing this like my own way. Yeah, not I just the traditional remember, whole rollout. I wasn't listening to music on Spotify yet at the time, and so I'm not sure if they actually came out as like mm. singles because I wouldn't have bought them on iTunes. I just remember that okay. like, I wanted to listen to them on the treadmill, and I always had to go to YouTube and listen to like the <laughs> shitty SNL. Right performances i was so excited when the album came out and i finally had like anyways i woke up that day dude i drove to target i bought like two copies of it because i knew like someone else will want i don't know it was just weird i bought two <laughs> uh, but uh yeah got that ink i mean it was a div- mm. i mean you, what's your when this album came out this i mean if oh, yeah, this, it, is, this is just very interesting so time. huge right it was like i am i Right oh. on that, right? That like it was oh. like a, what like the, a yeah, no, like it, a Star Wars size cultural moment. I feel like yeah, it, it is interesting to think about because it's I I got honestly, a fucking tattoo, man. You did. I know that's shit. what I was saying. That you have the ink. Regret it. You now. got the fucking <laughs> got the ink, ink on that. I'm not happy about it. But. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely this was the first Kanye album that I was like really kind of paying attention to as it was coming out, and I was pretty dismissive generally. I did end up liking the record when it came out to varying degrees. Like I was very, like I clowned on it a lot because I thought it was massively overrated. And I thought that like a lot of the lyrics were just terrible regardless of how you wanted to read into them. But yeah. it's grown tremendously on me in the year since. And I mean, but even that year I was really amazed by the production and like a lot of the, Art, a lot of the people that were working on that record came on, just went on to be artists that I just loved to yeah. varying degrees. I mean, it was it was really one of those things where, and I mean, I'm sure you could say that about Dark Twisted Fantasy, but I think like with something like Jesus, like there were like album artists that like just people that like I would be paying attention outside of just might, what they might have been doing on other people's records that really kind of branched out and had their own careers. Not necessarily starting with Jesus, but that was early enough on that like, you know, they whatever. I just it was not like they had that that clear of a sort of thing, whether it's. Hudmo or Arca, Hudmo yeah. or Arca, what, yeah. like there's a lot of you know people there. Um, um but so yeah, I, I, I but it's just what you were speaking to, like I just remember certainly in online music circles, just n- absolute black, like just it was the only thing everybody, hole. only yeah. thing anybody was talking about, and still to varying degrees. I remember going to a couple parties that summer and just like throwing it on and just having it go off and just being that's like, what's, that that's the thing is like, I, this is just not something that like I feel like again with the what I was going to do too earlier was that like it seemed like. This was something where Kanye, he was just so enormous and he was now at a point where he was was just not really like playing into the traditional commercial route and doing things that the way they were expected, but he just had such a, he had his own pull of gravity that like he pulled the shit. Yeah. In a certain way. It it only felt that way. Yeah. I don't know about science and physics and shit, but yeah, it was like, he was like, I'm going to, do a <laughs> shitty metaphor, but it's going to be fun. Because saw, you saw the black hole news yeah. today. There's some black hole. Yeah, dude, he had a black hole and he just like pulled the orbit to like his own. That's not what a black hole does, but no. he was a new sun that like yeah. Because you're mm-hmm. right. It was like it was like if you put on on site, it was such like an obviously oh, yes. intentional. It was like, on site immediately. This is supposed Absolutely. to like not be for radio. It's like like the whole idea of like starting with just is like it's like a fuck you. I'm not going to do what you want. Like mm-hmm. fuck you. I won't do what you tell me. Rage type shit. Um, 
And then so it's just so funny to see that, yeah, he was at such a peak and at such an ability to pull the culture wherever he wanted that. Yeah, like that whole summer. And I remember coming back to like Grand Valley that fall. It was like mm-hmm. you could just put, yeah, you could put Yeezus on at a party. And like yeah. there were definitely people in the room who were like, what the fuck is this? Like what is going But like I even feel like within like a month, everyone kind of knew what was going on. Yeah, and I, I would be curious because I I could see a similar kind of thing happening with some of those like ASAP Rocky like record like some of those songs where it was just like very different to a lot of just what was happening just in the like immediate moment in pop like you know just on the pop charts or whatever but like after a certain period it was just every it was just like everywhere it was just omnipresent there was an acclamation that like oh this is you know whatever just I don't know there's something about it, like yeah it just became so pervasive but I like very much that kind of thing where like you had that I think the guy sort of split where. Even stuff on Dark Twisted, it's like, you know, that stuff was pretty immediate across the board. You could play really anything from that record earlier on places and, you know, it would be pretty, just fucking whatever people are cool with it. But like, yeah, Yeezus was very much like, oh, you're, he's going to be challenging people to a much larger degree than just the eclecticism of his sampling work or whatever the yeah. fuck. So, and, and yeah, it did pay off. It was an incredible work. And I think a lot of people still consider it his best work, honestly. Yeah. It was just, yeah. Really, really great stuff. I think that and Dark Twisted to me are like the two sort Twin of the, Peaks. The, yeah, I think that's, I mean. Oh, I didn't even mean to say Twin Peaks. <laughs> and also, this is the album where he tried to get David Lynch to direct a video. Oh, man. That for was, Blood on the Leaves. Oh, he, man, could have been. What could have been? Uh, what was oh, that? Go ahead. If I can say one last yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, please. You know who loved this record? Jesus loved it to death. Lou Reed. Lou Reed. I was. I do. I remember. Like, we might have talked about this on the pod already. But we might have. But I, I just I, love Lou Reed's love of Jesus. Oh, it's so great. Yeah, this is. Yeah, I mean, he he passed away that year. And I do remember that being such a like. I don't even know where I heard that initially, but just was, like, oh yeah, like he was. I think the the publication was the quietest. They were doing this thing where they would have artists review other artists. Oh, uh, okay, cool. And, yeah, Lou chose to do Jesus, and he talked about like crying to guilt trip with Kid Cudi. <laughs> <laughs> just, I love this record, but I, I gotta be honest, I don't think there's a song that's ever gonna bring me to tears. I did not know that. I love Lou. That, I love Lou. I, so I, that just wow. And especially because like it's, it's, oh that black god. skinhead performance on SNL too. I even remember like when that happened, being like, "Oh my god, this is like the Velvet Underground," because it was just like yeah, it, it had that I very that. like yeah. like they were like cast in silhouette and Kanye was wearing like a leather jacket and there was like strobe lights. It just felt very like at best intentionally just apathetic at worst antagonistic. It was just like very sick. It It was was, fucking sick is what it was, Dylan. Okay. Uh, what do you got? (laughs) It was no disagreements here (laughs) except some of the songs. I mean, look, I'd say like a good, at least third, whatever, like three or four songs in there that do nothing for me, but most of the record's very good. Okay. Love okay. it. Okay. Most of the record I love. Number four. Uh, Wait I know- one second. Can I call T.O.? I'm going to get a quick water break real yeah, quick for me because I don't want to miss your release on this one. I want to be right there to experience it live in real time. Let's go. Pause, Pause. that boy. Boom. Thirsts have been quenched. We are back. All right. Thirst quenched. Let's get it going. Uh, number four. I... This might be the one that, yeah, might be a little surprising out of all these. But I, yeah, I'd be curious. I, there's one at least that I know you've got. This is Black Messiah by D'Angelo and the Vanguard. You know, that was one of the ones that was in my head. It's like a, it's in my 10 from this. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right on. But I don't know if I would have guessed that for, your, anyways. Yeah. That's what I was saying. We, we just, we haven't talked necessarily a ton about D'Angelo. And I mean, he's an artist that I just, really somebody that I've grown to just love more with each passing year. I mean, he only has three records, but they all sound better every single time I hear them. I mean, there's no question. Just, 
classic. I mean, obviously, like we, we really just need to do a full on D'Angelo episode at some okay. point. I mean, I, there's just so much to talk about there. But we both loved this one when it came out. We were living together when it came out. Yes, we were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And I, uh, I don't know if I'd really talk to you much about uh, specifically, like when it re- like actually came out. It was late in 2014, literally like the last week or two of the year. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was in. Uh, it was my second time in Chicago. I was visiting some friends. And literally the day that I came back, it dropped. Like I was an hour or so before I was getting ready to take off that Sunday, it came out. And so I just ripped it back like several so, times. And yeah. it, this, I, I, I also did not sure about this. This happened with me with a couple of different artists where like they'll have a, kind of a long way to release shortly after I get to them. But yeah. 2014 was the year that I started making the rounds on D'Angelo. Like I had might've heard like, you know, Brown Sugar, just some other songs here or there, but like, I don't really know it well at all. And like, I think you and my friend Avery were some of the biggest D'Angelo truthers in my life. Like, I think yeah, Evan and Potter definitely fucked with him, but like, just not necessarily an artist that I would just would kind of like came up a lot until it was just like finally fucking I got to do the rounds and heard Brown Sugar Voodoo both that year. You know, was blown blown away by both of them. Really, just I mean, incredible works, no question. And you know, very different. Like, it'd, it'd fall very loosely into what was considered neo soul, but just such different records. I mean, you've just got like the warm, crisp kind of like you know live. Kind of instrumentation of something like Brown Sugar and like uh, Voodoo is just so much sparser, and you've got like the Dilla stuff on there, and yeah, it's a uh, Questlove Dilla via Questlove. Yeah, so, yeah that's yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. So just, I mean, yeah, just very incredible work up to that point, and you know, after two thousand, as you know, just had stopped making music and or came out of the stopped being in the public eye as a, a regular recording artist in a very traditional sense. He had like. It been worked kind of teasing stuff for a while, and like I think a handful of these have been released at earlier points, but there weren't any singles or anything. It was a surprise release, 2014. It ended up um, releasing it earlier, I think, just because uh, just the sort of very general kind of political climate. I mm-hmm. don't know if it was in response to any specific incident, but just the nature of just all the just you know black deaths at the hands of the cops, essentially, like that that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Where it's just like okay, we just this needs to happen now, and. Uh, it is still my favorite record of his, honestly. And I do think, like, it is one of those things where I do think about um, quite a bit, not necessarily just with his record specifically, but, like, how much kind of where I was in my life and the conditions under which some, like, something kind of happened informs just what, like, how I respond very specifically to something, how much, to what degree that really kind of informs it, what how I would, you know, if I would prefer just voodoo over Black Messiah if I had, you know, lived with it longer or whatever. But oh, yeah. Black Messiah, I mean, I just... There's just so much about this record that I absolutely love. I mean, I do like just, you know, the musicality of it's incredible. I mean, you just, Quest Love is live drumming on here. I forget who some of the other guitarists are. There's at least, the Vanguard consists of, I think, three other people besides D'Angelo. I want to say you've got Pino Palladino on yes, bass. Yes, so that sounds right. Oh, yeah, on bass. Yeah. D'Angelo's on guitar. Are you, I believe Quest Love's still on drums, yes, right? Yes, Quest Love's on drums on that. Yep. Um, but it, uh, it's, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. So there's like a handful of other people. I think the, the yeah, Quest Love and, uh, uh, oh man, what was uh, <laughs> I'm blanking on that guy's name? The bass player, Pino. Pino Palladino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- those, uh, yeah. But there's, there's a handful of other people on here, and D'Angelo's doing a lot of stuff as well, synths and bass and uh, some organ work and stuff. Yeah. But like, I mean, it it's just yeah. so. And you ahead. know who else Pino played with? I don't. The John Mayer Trio. Hey. hey. And wonder... the Who. Who? The Who. Nice. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Nine, yeah. Fun awful. fact. Awful. Yeah. I'm yeah. not. Um. 
uh, so yeah, this this record, yeah, it's just it's a really cool kind of just shift from the other like the other records that he put out. I mean, drawing from like a lot of Silent Family Stone and Funkadelic and just a lot of just like seventies kind of funk rock and psychedelic soul kind of luminaries, but you know, filters them into his own kind of idiosyncratic approach. And there's stuff on here that's just about sparser and soulful stuff that's just like absolutely fucking charged, but it hangs together very nicely. There's a lot of really you know incredible melodies. I, I mean, obviously he's an incredible vocalist, but like. What I, this is one of those two where I, I record that like I, I do think that like it's just so well balanced in that way where I do feel like not like you know Voodoo and Brown Sugar aren't but like the instrumentation is just so incredible and just like tasteful and well executed that like it, it doesn't feel like it's just purely kind of dress, again not that the others are but like yeah it just it complements his voice in a way that I just it's a little bit more compelling to me than I think the other ones I just I really like that kind of approach it, like it sounds like his voice sounds just obviously it's older it's a little bit more wider but he still sounds great and I mean, it just, yeah, I was really just kind of blown away by it. I wasn't expecting him to put out another record. I certainly didn't think that it would be kind of tonally this sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I like it a lot. I mean, it's really, it, yeah, it's kind of psychedelic soul, progressive, kind of just R&B. I mean, really, really great stuff. Um, I also, I love it as, like, I think of it as D'Angelo's guitar album. <clears throat> yeah. Because it's the one where, like, he came back and he learned guitar. Mm-hmm. He was really good at it. And, it like, it reminds me a lot of Hendrix, too. Like, there's yeah, a lot there's of a- just, like loud Abs- distorted I was like, guitar 1000 deaths is the one where it's just a lot of 1000 deaths shredding. yeah and like uh 2 what is that till uh, uh till, till it's done, yeah. Till it's done. Yep. yeah yeah that, yeah, yeah. Yep. a lot of like hendrix style guitar Absolutely. playing i mean all across yep. the whole thing there's yeah also like we talked about with Sly and Funkadelic, like just like mm-hmm. Eddie Hazel style, like yes, absolutely badass distorted guitar huge riffs too like it's also like i feel like D'Angelo's most like it's not a rock album, but there's like riffs on this fucker. Yes, yeah, so that that is part of it too, for sure. Like I, I would not. That's, it's like the most rock record of his for yeah. sure. But like, yeah, it's like the, all the other ones. I mean, even calling any of his other works just Neil Soul just feels so disingenuous and unfair because there's just so much that he's doing here. But like, yeah, there's like, yeah, absolutely a lot of Hendrix on here. There, this thing fucking rips, and it's also absolutely gorgeous. And you've got stuff like Betray My Heart and. Um, was a really love. I mean, like, oh, just like are, I mean, those, just, are, those are my ones. Those, those are your two. I mean, yeah. those are just. I mean, but it's. I mean, incredible showcases. I mean, yeah. the kind of songs that like, you know, it's very much in his wheelhouse, but like juxtaposed against everything else, and the way that they like the pacing on there. I mean, it just sounds so fucking beautiful. Yeah, and the first and last song. What are those called? Uh, the, the, I'm sorry. What was that? You the said? first and last song. They both have. Oh, uh, ain't it easy? And um, another day. That yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes, those yeah. Are yeah. Not the Paul McCartney song. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah. Great record, yeah. Incredible I, record. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Number three. You ready for me? All yes, right. Sir. I'm coming with little, I think this is the earliest album that I'm going to have. 2011. Can you guess what it is? Well, it wouldn't be Bon Iver. Oh, uh, my, well, my, the obvious thing uh, for me right now, it's it's either James Blake or Kaput. I want to say it's James nope. Blake. Not, nope. Neither one nope. of those. Oh, th- take care. It's, it's not take James care. Blake. It's James Drake, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, because I was like, I, I, there's got to be a lot of 2011 core records in your pick here, but we're getting down to three. Yeah, of course. Take care. Take sure. Care. Sure. Take care. And I was yeah. laying in, before I took the nap that I took before you got here, I was laying in bed and I was stressing about Take Care. Because <laughs> the one the- just like Drake was stressing over Take Care, Danny was stressing about Take Care. I was stressing about, like, what the fuck do I say about Take Care? Like, like how do you say something smart about Take Care in 2022? No, you don't. This isn't about saying it's smart. It's just, this is all about saying personal things yeah, about that's Take Care. I guess, yeah, that's the better angle. But the other thing that was, the, the last thought I had about it was, like, you know what? That's what's cool about Take Care is that, like, there's nothing new or interesting you can say. Like, it just became 
like the sound of everything. So like it's you know what that's I mean? the important like, thing about- too is that I, I'm sorry to interrupt that, but like we talked on the 2011 hip hop record or episode rather about how that record like you know sort of was one of the largest uh, records as far as shaping the sound of hip hop. Exactly, yeah. but like it goes, it does go beyond that. I mean, it's hip hop, it's R and B, it's pop music pop at large. Music, it's like it like just across the board. Yeah, I, mean, that's, I just yeah. feel like it was like if 2011 were like let's say. Follow me on a shitty metaphor here that I, sure, I already hate sure. myself for doing. If culture is a glass of water. It was like Drake had dropped like a little dye in it. Like, let's say it's like blue dye or something. And you can see it and you can point it and be like, that's blue. We're living in like clear water and that's blue. I can see it and I can talk about it. Then like now we're it's just like all the water's fucking blue. Like right. what do I say about like it's like I don't, I'm blue now. I don't fucking know. Like, yeah. Um, but I mean like I'm trying to think of like how it stood out at the time when it came out. I mean it was like. This was when Drake found Drake's sound. We've talked about this before in other contexts on the show, I know. but like, Yeah, absolutely. And, like, I, you were not a fan before this record came out. I, well, I, no, I was. was oh, I, I'd gotten I up, keep getting this stuff. I'm just like, yo, you were into this. You were into this. I was like, this, I'm, I'm not remembering I, how we talked always, about this. Please. I was always into it. No. Thank, was, thank me from the beginning. Thank, sorry, no. Thank Me Later was the one that I had gotten into. Uh, was it the year that it came out? N- I mean, like, I feel like I got into it maybe, like, months, definitely months later. Like, mm-hmm. Um, but I'd gotten into it and I decided like, I'm a Drake fan. I like what this guy does. Like he's cool. He's like a cool new, like approach to hip hop or whatever. And then I remember when this album came out and like all the singles came out and even just like the artwork and the images he was sharing, it was so obvious that like he had found his aesthetic and like who Drake was and sort of like, he just found like, I've said this before, I know, but like the character that he's supposed to play as like his mm-hmm. thing where before it was like this, like cheap, like half Lil Wayne, half Kanye. Like, he had that, like, Big Sean flow. It just, like, and you go back and you listen to it and it just feels awkward. Like, it, the hashtag flow and shit. Like, mm. take care stuff still holds up. Like, you put that on and it's like, this yeah, is... Yeah, I like, thought so. When I heard it, like, for that episode, I mean, I, it, it, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it because I do, I felt like the last time I heard it, yeah, it was much more of a kind of, yeah, a grab bag for sure. Um, but I think it's, it sounds great and it, yeah, it's definitely not nearly as, like, cloying or, like, derivative or bloated as I feel like just a lot of his stuff has gotten it. I mean, just in the sense that like, Oh, even the stuff that like, there is like some padding on here, but like, again, it, he had, he had really kind of found his need. Like, cr- he had fo- critical of my five. There's padding on here, bro. <laughs> I was tracked. You I'm picking a padded record. <laughs> Uh, but you know, like it, it, everything like it is just such a like perfectly relaxed aesthetic. It like yeah. as far as just like oh yeah, this is like a truly an album artist that's just making a statement record. And like regardless of how you feel about it, like hey, there is some real like incredible attention to detail and like thought and intent put into this. I'm gonna, I got a hot take I hadn't thought of until right oh, now. Oh yeah, shoot. You know what? Take yeah. care. Best weekend album. Yeah, and no, I agree with that. I think that's the best album. I, I don't think that's that hot of a take. Well, I, I, I I absolutely agree with that. Because like, I just feel like that is like the weekend's aesthetic. Now, House of Balloons. Uh, no, okay, it's yeah, the yeah. best <laughs> weekend mixtape. We're gonna like that. That we could like talk about and have it. But like the weekend records are pretty boring. I mean, I think that like take care. It is interesting that like I think the weekend did also you know shape pop music to a pretty large degree and take himself. care of, I mean there's always but, the, the like yeah, people love right. doing that like inside baseball talk about how Drake bought half the songs mm-hmm. on Take Care from The Weeknd I mean like you have a couple that The Weeknd's featured on but then there's also supposedly ones that were Weeknd like beats that Weeknd wrote the hook for and then Drake just like wrote verses and sang the hook for like I think Shot For Me is one of those mm, yeah that's uh, that, that's the one that really sticks out as The Weeknd song like yeah. when I heard that I was like oh yeah I they can see like, it and he's not even singing that's Drake right. yeah mm-hmm. but um yeah, I feel like that's so, like, he found what The weekend's aesthetic was going to... I mean, I guess The weekend had already developed it, too, and he just kind of bought it. But 40 is <laughs> such a big part of it, too. That just sure. sort of that, like, 
the big quote that always sticks out for me with Drake is he said he just makes music that's supposed to feel cool when you're driving around at night. And, like, that is – to me, that's also the weekend's world of – I've made this joke a million times. Like, he doesn't have a song that takes place while the sun's out. Like, it's yeah. all, like, mm-hmm. nocturnal, like <laughs> – it's supposed to be like it's like sexy batman music it's like i'm a man who drives around in my batmobile and i go to my mansion but also i have a lot of sex it's just like like michael jackson as batman that's like what he's trying and it's just like again when it when it works it works but like it it is just so silly and like um and i'm just like but at the emotional core of take care like i'm trying to think of what makes it work like what really makes it click this is what i was stressing about before Mm. And, you know, I don't know if I have it. I mean, like, because we've watched Drake's whole career happen. And, like, it's, you know, my opinion on him has changed. He's such a weird guy, like, where at first he was supposed to represent, like, sort of a sense. Not that hip-hop isn't sensitive, but, like, he was supposed to be a more sensitive approach. I don't know. Fuck what I'm saying. Fuck all the shit. Take care. It's a good album. I stand by it. That's where I'm at. It's a classic. It's a classic. Audio ecstasy seal of approval. Audio ecstasy out. <laughs> no. We're, yeah. That's all, folks. Okay. Uh, Get number- the Patreon for the rest. <laughs> uh, so this is one of the ones that you probably are going to, I would think that you would have, but who knows? You probably already looked at whatever. Uh, it's uh, MBV by My Bloody Valentine. No. This not didn't yeah, come I, up? I, okay. I just it slipped my mind, but of course that would be yeah. that and the deer hunter. The deer hunter ones, yeah, ones that were now. Yeah, if you gotta think of the the Dylan core stuff. So the, yeah, I think so. The, wait, shoot. this is your third one. That means you've only got two albums left. Yeah. Oh wow! I wonder which one of the three I have in my head is going to get bumped. Oh, I've been so, interesting. Oh, okay. oh wow! This All is right. crazy. All right, we keep. So, so let's get back at it. Yeah, it's a similar thing to the release of uh, Black Messiah when. MBV came out. I had, I listened to Loveless for the first time a couple months prior. It was like a you know fall of freshman year type thing, and it was one of several records that fall that absolutely blew my mind and really just changed the way that I uh, you know think about music and just kind of art and life on the whole. Really, I mean, it really what just, I'd give to have one of those it, moments. It influenced. Again. I know. Jesus I like, Christ! When you mentioned it, you think, I was like, yeah, the it just that was that and Sucks like a handful of other things. It does, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it it was just to say it was informative. Obviously, it doesn't begin to describe it. But like, so you know, that was so much of just obviously a lot of just music and art that I feel like I was kind of gravitating towards. And when MBV came out, it just yeah, I mean, it blew yeah everybody that would have cared about that's mind. I mean, nobody really would have expected that. I mean, he was mastering uh, remaster or another edition of Loveless that had already obviously years after it had come out for like four years so I mean like this shit just he Kevin Shields the frontman of my little of takes a sweet fucking time with everything Jeez. and I, uh, I like the idea of someone putting that record on and like getting 30 seconds in and being like this shit again like, yeah <laughs> this is the sound still it just it's not it's not more of this shit not even yeah oh yeah yeah like waiting for that release of the putting... and it's interesting with a record like uh, well, MBV just being that, like, obviously, like, the hype could never have been possibly matched to the just the degree, like, it, with one of the, in, like, regardless of when it had been released, it, it is certainly compounds over time, the more that you, like, prolong something, and it just, it's, you know, never going to live up to it, and it, it kind of distorts just the idea of what they were and what whatever, it's just, like, ideally it would have been shortly after the release of that but it's hard to imagine that it ever kind of living up with the expectations it doesn't matter it's an incredible record it really is like just a better record than i certainly could have expected i think it's something that like kind of retains everything that was incredible by Bloody valentine while subtly pushing their sound forward and you know just again it seems so unlikely that we'll ever get another my Bloody valentine record but it's 
just amazing that he was able to follow up something like Loveless that bankrupted Creative Records, the label that he was on, and uh, or Creation, sorry, Creative Creation Records, and um, you know, just caused them to just sort of. I don't even know how much they had really toured after that whole cycle, but like, yeah, they, they were just not doing anything but remastering Lovis and other <laughs> early records. And yeah. so it was something like this. I mean, yeah, he's just an autophile through and through. And uh, it is, they are the Shoegaze Titans. I mean, it is just like a very guitar heavy record. And uh, the drums on here are fairly minimal. There's uh, just a lot of just like low end. And uh, what I was, uh, yeah, not kind of unlike the, you know, Ben H. Allen, uh, just you know, kind of beefing up the low on, on Halcyon Digest. There's a, a much more pronounced, uh, just lower frequency, like just bass playing and the drums and everything, like the, that do emerge on MBV. And it's got a really just kind of dark, weird, surreal, kind of heavy feel to it that, I mean, all their music does sound surreal and dreamy in that way, but like this is a little bit darker and a little bit just, you know, kind of hazier. Does the, even the, the structures on here are looser. The first, like a lot of the uh, early stuff on here kind of sounds like classic MBV. And as they progress, it just gets a little bit weirder and noisier and, by the end, it's just like a kind of weird, strange droney noisecape, and um, yeah, it's just a nine-song suite. But like, it hangs together beautifully. Um, you've just got the, the kind of great interplay between Belinda Blutcher and Kevin Shields, as always, on just throughout their work. But yeah, the textures are just a lot more. I think just yeah, kind of nuanced and yeah, just strange and unpredictable. It's just not something that like again like could ever seemingly bid for any sort of radio play, and it feels like it's just completely removed from time at all but like it it's yeah it, it really again it, the thing to call it like shoe games does feel yeah a little reductive but um yeah do you remember i remember actually this record came out literally the day after like the i think the super bowl it might have been the night of the super bowl the day after that but i remember like that weekend and just being like holy fucking shit, i cannot just like i might have gone home that weekend and i just it was kind of just whatever like surfing on message boards and then it just dropped and it just it seemed like just everything changed and it was just like holy shit that when am i actually really hear this because the gates keep crashing on the site but yeah uh, what was your experience with that I, I know that like you were obviously a fan i mean yeah i i remember uh, boy i'm trying to remember didn't it like leak or something like it just came out but it was like a surprise release wasn't it yes sort of? just like there was like a just a random link to the site and it ended just like crashing because yeah it was just like the only kind of way to actually get the record at that point yeah i that was that was back when i was still rocking fortune on mew on the mew oh sure okay that, that was a big yeah everyone was freaking out about it. yeah i mean it's such mm -hmm. a great record it's like Especially that first song. That first song is like a top oh, three. She found now. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and again, that really is like the classic kind of my Lily Valentine song on there. It yeah. really just feels like just completely like not unlike uh, the uh, last Big Thief record. How it starts. It's just like oh yeah, we're just like back literally where the last record kind of left yep. off in that way. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> it's a beautiful record. It's like a perfect album. I yeah, I love it to death. Cool. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. glad that you dig it too. I know that like you're obviously a loveless guy. We haven't talked much about. I don't even know if you are that familiar with. It. Isn't anything or like I you am, know scattered EPs or anything like that. We it seems like it just kind of sounds around loveless. But I know that you obviously had fucked with MBV, and I'm glad that you still yeah, dig it. Yeah, I got. I haven't listened to a lot of the pre loveless stuff, and like isn't anything I've definitely listened to, but it it does. I just remember like writing it off right away as being like, okay, they hadn't found what they were yet on Loveless, but I know okay, a bunch of people yeah. swear by it to death. It's just like, such a different record. It's just yeah. they're not even like going for like that that sort of thing. Kind of like what they became became their sound really d develops on, like whatever. It just it's a completely different sort of beefs, and I feel like it, it they found their sound, but it was just it just changed very quickly. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah, great, yeah. fucking beautiful record. So what is your uh, number two? All right, number two, I'm coming in with. A self-titled album. Can you guess which artist? <laughs> I love just make, turning these into stupid guessing games. Yeah, this Can you is guess fun. who's self-titled? Self-titled. Oh, oh, man. 
my first thought would have been like, oh yeah, Magical Clouds. But was that like a self-titled release? No, I don't think so. Wasn't Impersonator was the first one? I don't remember. Uh, but no, I don't think I can think of any self-titled acts that... Oh, fuck. This is going to really bother... Okay, go ahead, please. Little artist by the name of Dirty Projectors. Really? Old Dirty Projectors. Wow. I know Old that you like that record quite a bit, projectors. but... I'm getting a phone call. Call me George. George. Get him on air. <laughs> Let's go, <laughs> Georgia boy. I will, call him back. I will call him back after. Yo, but that uh, I honestly like I would have. Well, you know what? That's actually not true. Not never mind. Because I was like, oh yeah, like if it was gonna be one of these, I would have thought Swing Low with Jillian. But I actually do remember talking to you about how you like dirty the self titled one more than that because it just again it was that kind of thing where it just felt like a complete clean slate left yeah, turn where I'm, I'm, swing I don't mean to speak for you but I actually just I, I'm just saying, I remember having this conversation so like that makes sense I wasn't even thinking along those lines but that totally I seem that I got a pattern emerging here I like when they take those <laughs> but please go ahead go ahead turn. I'm sorry yeah no it is it's another one it's also yeah it's like a 22 a million kind of record where it's like I mean Dave had already been doing a bunch of like he had a very postmodern approach to I music think, already. So here's an interesting thing. Aside of I, I I'm sorry to keep doing. No, like, no, no. I was thinking that like there is that song because I was like there is more of a precedent for I think what uh, Dave was doing on Dirty Projectors than what uh, Justin was doing. I mean you've got like the song Woods on that Blood Bank EP, but like yeah. it does feel like just so much just harder to pin down. Whereas yeah, it, obviously for the people in the know, it's like, oh, okay, this is not that necessarily weird, but like clearly from what they were doing and the, the band is dissolving. I mean, it very much was like, it's like a, you know, left turn for him. But, yeah. It, it was, I mean, like the band had been a band and yep. then, well, that's the interesting thing. The jury projector started out as just, solo project, it's just yeah. Dave mm-hmm. solo alone at Yale sort of mixing classical music, like experimental classical music with like, rock and R&B and stuff and then they become a band they put out three records as a band like the quote unquote classic lineup with Amber Kaufman Angel Deridorian um, and then him and Amber who had also been in a relationship they break up the band sort of just dissolves and Dave goes back to being a solo artist puts out this self-titled album Dirty Projectors Dirty Projectors um, and yeah, it's just like there's like no guitar on it. Again, I guess I love when artists put the guitar away for an album. It's probably just because I was obsessed with Kid A in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. To me, I've always thought of it as like, to me, it feels like uh, someone from a rock context or like a, like a rock slash like avant-garde music experimental composition world, whatever, like all of those things trying to make like a, a modern like hip-hop record kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And... Like it just feels like like him in his studio alone, using what tools he has to try to make like a Timbaland. Oh yeah, beat happen. Well, or yo, something. that that second song, Death Spiral. Yeah, I mean, Death that, Spiral. that that to me, like, well, at least as far as the Timbaland thing goes, yeah. I mean, that like, and it just it's sick. It's like absolutely yeah. the kind of thing where like you know when I heard Swing Low Magellan, that was would have been the first record of theirs that I got into, and I loved it when I first heard it, and I got into a bit of Orca Love that obviously, but like yeah. I hadn't heard the earlier stuff. Like I've heard all the records that he's put out now, but not up to the point where the self-titled came out. So that stuff really was shocking to me. And like that spiral in particular, I was like, I cannot believe that this dude is making something that sounds like Timbaland, but like it just fucking nails it. Yeah, and like I, lo- I, lo- I just love it as that like thing of like the nerdy Yale music kid. Oh like, yeah, trying yeah, yeah, to yeah. do Timbaland. Like that's right. And, like it, but it like it works. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. And like uh, yeah, just I mean the whole alley, the whole album's just got like. I mean, you've got him rapping on it. You've got, it's just different. It's all over the place. It's, it's all 
Some great auto tune. Auto tune. Great sampling too. Like yeah, very self referential too. It's just kind yeah. Of like he, stuff. he references uh, impregnable question from mm. their own last album. Um, great songwriting, great introspective songwriting that deals with the breakup. And he also uses. He talks specifically about it. it's not like a straightforward breakup album where like everything is like a one to one like. Like this is like a truthful representation, but he like wanted to use like a breakup as just like a a model metaphor to talk about like. What does it mean for people to either like work together or to want to be alone? Mm-hmm. Or like like kind of like yeah. Um and I also love that like it's got him like using his own voice to try to do like all the backing parts that he used to have like Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, you've got yeah, him yeah. doing like s- like three-part harmony with himself and stuff all over. It's just it's a really cool album. I love it to death. Yeah, yeah. it's it's one that I really have been thinking about revisiting for a while now. Um and I, I really I I like the vast majority of Dirty records, and it's it's cool that like they've got the you know that he's formed a new band, and when we caught them live, it was shortly after, or no, it was before Lamplit Bros, I believe, but it was touring that stuff with the rest of Dirty Projectors, and um, it seems unlikely at least for a while that he would make another record like this, but yeah, it's it's fucking tight. I, I'm probably gonna spin it back at some point soon. What's your favorite sure. Dirty Projectors album? I mean, I think it's got to be Bit of Orca. Honestly, I just like it's incredible. I mean, I. I like Swing Low a lot. I think Rise Above is great. Um, but no, it's Brady Orca just from top to bottom. I mean, there's just so much range, so much. It's just like the, the kind of the perfect balance, in my mind, of just his avant-garde and pop impulses. I mean, that, that's really just what it comes down to. That's I mean, my favorite one, too. Yeah. that's yeah. Yeah. And I, I think Swing Low is – Swing Low Medellin is probably my second favorite. And that just the kind of thing where it, it does feel like sort of, you know, an extension of a lot of that. But it's I do think it's totally its own sort of thing. It's a little bit more like kind of playful and loose and – yeah, just a really kind of inviting, warm, just you know, incredibly melodic record. And um, but yeah, another great group. I really, yeah, that I just I'd be I'd be very curious to see if he would ever make another kind of record like, not again, not necessarily tonally, but just like sound like something again like Dirty Projectors. Yeah. Again, I get the sense that he just wants to you know play into with the band, which is tight. But I mean, it just it's kind of curious. He's had a very interesting kind of career. And, yeah, and like it's interesting how they don't. I mean, there's they never played it live either. He did. That's two, right. They did he two has, performances. He did one at Pitchfork. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was like, I know that he performed at Pitch, like, but I, I was Performed the album at Pitch, because it's, okay. it's such a weird thing to try to, I mean, like, live still, when we saw them, they did Cool Your Heart with the band. That's what I was saying. Cool. I was like, there was a couple, Cool and Your I Heart. And Keep Your Name, maybe. Yeah, there was at least two that they did from that record. I was like, oh, I could see him, like, yeah, repurposing a couple of these, but not But I get really. the vibe it's being treated as, like, one of the, like, I'm trying to think of another like an analog for that when like Nebraska. An yeah, I guess. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he would never like, but I just in this like we're not. This is just you know its own thing, and we're not going to be revisiting right, this in right. live context. Yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> All right. So what do you what do you got here? Uh, so yeah, this outside of like, well, no, I mean, really, if you're thinking about just the decade on the whole, and my favorite artist, th- this one probably seems like it would be the most obvious to me. You want to guess that, what you think my number two is? You said one of the three that you had was knocked out, so. All right, and this is not the one that you thought I would have, too? This is the one that I thought you would have, too. All right, so I'm going to assume this it's is. Blonde by Frank Ocean. This is exactly Blonde all by right, Frank Ocean. All right, cool. So yeah, we, yeah. there's some things in life we can be certain of. That, that <laughs> certain, feels good. I was not – well, see, I, it I just, felt, it's good I felt know, pretty certain that you had that in your five and you didn't. So I, didn't, I just at least feel good knowing that we both think of that as, like, the, the defining album. record. Yeah. yeah if I'm going to – like, it is my number two, but if I'm going to say, like – I've got like the album, the one that defined the decade, the one that's still like we're seeing ripples. Remember self control? You remember? You remember? Mm, I remember. (laughs) Blonde by Frank Ocean. What a fucking album! Oh my god! Yeah, this album. I mean, 
Yeah, it, it does feel not. It hasn't been out as long, but it, it is absolutely the kind of thing with like you know similar to Take Care, where it's just like you, I can't say anything about Blonde that hasn't been said already. I mean, it's just like it has just been poured over, you know, hundreds and thousands of times. I mean, it, it's just it so much of you know just pop and indie and R and B and hip hop. Just the, like music at large, just feels like it was kind of you know it influenced and kind of reshaping its image and. It was a incredible kind of left turn for Frank coming from Channel Orange, and um, uh, just it's sort of record that like it still puts a premium on his vocals and his writing, and it still like kind of draws from his strengths, but it's just so much more sparse and minimal, and yeah, just not nearly as kind of warm and um, like lush sounding as something it, it consistently as something like uh, Channel Orange, and I think there's a lot of just great texture and incredible just arrangement. Obviously, I mean it's a gorgeous sounding record, like whether it's Alex G's guitar playing, the sparse kind of just organ playing on here, um, just like the the minimal kind of you know, almost pretty much non-existent but occasional drums, uh, the strings, uh, like even that just just to get into that stuff. I mean, the production is just yeah, it's uh, like it the way that it, it Frank's voice is treated auto you know filled through auto tune. Otherwise, I mean, it just there's so much about that this it just it sounds absolutely incredible. Like it, I think too you know not unlike twenty two a million where there are some fairly clear like just you know a handful of references that you could absolutely draw from i mean he references to just like the beatles and elliot smith on here mm-hmm, like they're mm-hmm, both interpolated mm-hmm. and uh but i mean it's totally just his own thing altogether and i mean it, it um very much was a kind of a perfect record for me at that time and would go on to just continue you know influencing a lot of just like the stuff that i really kind of got into and um i remember very distinctly when it came out it was literally the day that i got back from grand valley it was like i i completely finished up moved back home like when we were coming home like when i was just heading back it had dropped and uh i just remember uh yeah just downloading it you know just kind of with fervorous anticipation i was going to hang downloading out my, it uh what was it yeah yeah i would have been using i feel like it was i remember actually reading fairly recently there was a Apple Music exclusive, but I, I definitely would have been using VK, and I would I probably just ripped it. Okay, okay. Realistically, I, I started using Spotify a couple months after that because I would have started working at Starbucks and I got free Spotify. So that okay. that's when the big shift happened. But all through college, Vkondakte, Russian Facebook. I remember you. Yeah, that, that was I my jam. Thought about that in ages until yes, now. that was literally what I used it's to stream the music. The world before Spotify is such a weird world. It is very strange, which I'm not about. happy to say is a thing, but it's just like yeah, no, it just yeah. but just it, just to acknowledge, it's just yeah, it, it feels like just completely different worlds. It's for yeah. whatever, but. Um, um, so yeah, I mean, I just yeah, and I was going to my friend Carlos' house, who has since passed, but it just it was like okay, this is just like it just I'm immediately downloading that, going to hang out with him, and feeling like like as I started to like listen to this record, it was like just the sound of the rest of my life. It was just like this is this is just it. This is and I I remember feeling the first couple times I ripped through it that it was a you know absolute classic record, and it just it absolutely just sounds better every single time I hear it and. You know, it's yeah, incredible combination of yeah, soul, psych pop, kind of just, you know, really just great kind of, you know, R&B, and, but like, you know, kind of avant-garde minimalism and yeah, it's just You love really, these artists who take big breaks. Yeah. D'Angelo, MBV. I do. Frank, you love, you, Dylan loves Deer Hunter's make, getting up there, man. It's been three years, is a lifetime, years. a <laughs> lifetime for Deer Hunter. <laughs> Bradford Cox is putting stuff out every couple of months. Bradford Cox is putting out stuff every couple of months. Months back when he was ripping. Three years is a fucking lifetime. You need to get on the Guided by Voices train, baby. I well, who, I mean, every three I wouldn't say get an on, album. I'm, yeah, I'm not on the train, but you know, I, I'm I'm watching from a, a safe. From watching, every, every every once in a while, I'll, I'll dip in and see what's good. But um, 
Yeah, no, I, I do. Yeah, I absolutely have a thing for artists that, yeah, just drop Masterworks and then dip for decades. Yeah, so obviously I know this is a huge record for you, not in your five, yeah. but uh, it was obviously I know that it, you know, it was enormous for you. Yeah, and the, I feel like the big things for me with this one are, I mean, like I was obsessed with Channel Orange when it dropped. I like yeah. this one. You were the guy that really kind of turned me on to Channel Orange, by the way. I mean, I remember you writing, it was like one of your favorite albums in 2012. I oh, remember God, when yeah. you, you wrote about that and... Uh, you very much were like the guy that really, and I don't even I think I got into Channel Orange until like the following summer. But I, you were the person that had really kind of pushed him. And I mean, when I started, I just I'd been hooked ever since. Obviously, but, that was what got me like, into R and B more too, because that was yeah. like when I got into mm-hmm. D'Angelo, and I feel like that was the year Pitchfork did their like ten out of ten voodoo review. That was when they um, really took their like R and B turn. Yeah, um, things. Yeah, the, the was in the the winds were blown in that direction. The for winds sure. were blown. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I love about this one. I love the song structures. I love how it's like. I mean, you have some great pop songs still on there, like Pink and White and, you know, like Pink and White, I guess. Yeah. Well, as, as far as like the, the most really straightforward one, I mean, I think that like, you know, uh, there are the Nights and Self-Control. Well, that's just interesting. Like, those are the two I was going to jump for, but those are both long songs with that, untraditional the, structures. That's the, they're, they're, well, they're, like you really, with a record like Blonde, you had to have to parse through because it really is like there are sections of songs that are like very exactly. straightforward and immediate. That's, but like yeah. as far as like, you know, through and through, Pink and White's like, the, like the, the only, only very only... obvious. I mean, maybe the close to you Stevie Wonder cover, but again, it's like a minute and a half and it's pretty, what, Pink and White is like the pop song. The only there, like, really, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And it feels like it could be on Channel Orange. Yeah. But the rest of the mm-hmm. stuff, and what you said about, yeah, there's like not a ton of drums on the album, which gives it this really like floaty, dreamy feel mm-hmm. where like, yeah, it's a lot of like. It's the narco- narcotic kind of blissed out, or like just dazed and kind Z- of. The Zan generation. Yes, Zany, that's right. The Perk kids, the Web 2.0 gen. But it's not, it's not hard to see how that would, would have just you know, responded or, you know, people, how, you know, it would have left an impact far beyond just like music nerds and people that were in the industry or whatever. It's just like, oh yeah, like, you know, alienated, uh, just Zoomers and millennials, whatever, the intensely online, you know, anxiety ridden, you know, populace. Yeah. It's like, this is very much a, you know, record that would speak to a lot of that kind you of thing. You know what I'm thinking too now? In retrospect, I feel like Ivy really stands out as like a song that like brought guitar back into like a mm. pop world. Didn't didn't people cover Ivy like big pop artists? I feel like there were a few that did Ivy covers. Like I can't like name any, real, but I do remember hearing that it got that was covered like, a couple times. Live. And I just feel like I like that like really wrote like her, the future for like Harry Styles and like mm. I don't know, just like that song in retrospect. Even just like pop, like the emo kind of pop punk fascination mm. that's happening in pop music now. Like Ivy feels like. It was like a real uh, changing of the guards moment. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of like, you know, emo and indie rock and like whether it's just like you know, like Olivia Rodrigo. I feel like could yeah, be it Ivy. could be. I mean, Olivia Rodrigo or like Glass Beach or Dogleg or um, I mean, just like we're gonna cross, hop across the board. Claro, <laughs> Claro. Cla- well, yeah, we're talking emo bands, talking yeah, pop, yeah, 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 punk, yeah. Wait, yeah. you know, whether it's Claro or like fucking. I mean. Again, we talked about this several like earlier last year. Just you hear it everywhere. I mean, yeah. it's just like all over the place. Like, I mean, Dog is a terrible example, but I mean, I just meant fifth wave emo in general. I thought we were talking poppers. That's why I was no. laughing because they- <laughs> well, because I was going emo and I was like, oh, Dog yeah. Dog is it? Not that's actually really a terrible example. I wouldn't necessarily say that, but I think like Glass Beach or like you know Weather Day or Your Arms Are My Cocoon. Just some, not that you. I'm just saying like I I can hear it in a lot of different things. I just whether or not they're referencing it, it just it feels like it's just like the influence is just pervasive, yeah. He tied basically. together a bunch of like shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, per- really perfectly. Um, yeah, I love that. Man, it's such a 
it is such a perfect album. Like, yeah, it, it's I, in my I, 10 for sure. I think it might be like what I would consider like the le- wait, it's in your 10 for 20. The 20 yeah, years? it would yeah. be in my yeah. 10. It's in my mix. I feel like it, I honestly, and again, it's just like whatever. I it was already such a huge fan going in, but I feel like it, it, in my mind, it's like the last like real kind of like perfect record that I mm. think has come out. Okay. I don't think that like anything in the years since is that I would say is just like kind of like perfect start to finish. I mean, that feels like like the last thing that I can really think of, honestly. I'm gonna say for me, I thought St. Cloud. Oh, St. Cloud. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I has high highs and there's a couple like lower lows mm-hmm. to it, but yeah. Okay. Right on. Now, can I just, I, I, that's just, you know, cause I, yeah, we haven't really talked about that at all. And it's not like it's something that I think about that often, but like I do still in my mind, that's the case, but right yeah, on. That's yeah. Was that cause wait, did short, not short, um, crack up. Was that pre? That was after. I like crack that, up a lot. I think that's like another like kind of perfect. Man, it's not like a ten. I don't. It, know. Well, that's the, that's the thing. It's, it's just like, like a nine. It, there, like there a are so nine. many very yeah. Look, I think it's a you big had, nine. You had mentioned that like a uh, big thieves uh, record is somewhere between eight and a nine for you. I think that's a big nine. Did I say that? Well, that's drop, folks. I got to be honest. Not that you, like you I think, dislike. You it, think but the I just new big thief myself. is not between eight and nine? Well, I just don't listen. It's not. I just I haven't. No, I'm talking about just a rating, not how much you like it. Well, that's but as like my personal rating, like I don't know. It's like a great album, but it's not like I'm not. I don't know, man. I'm not like a big thief guy. Like I yeah. love Big Thief. You like Big Thief. I think I'm too big thief what you already got it by voices. Like I'm from it a safe be, yeah. move, like and I appreciate it and okay, I love yeah, it. Yeah. And like right. I will see them live every time they come to town. Oh, right for on. For sure. I think they're right badass. On. And like when the records come out, I'm gonna be there and I'm gonna listen to them. But, but it's not, not, not necessarily appointment listening when the record yeah, comes not, out in that way. It might I don't I don't put kind of I'm sorry. I think it's appointment listening. It's not like uh I just don't put them on a lot, you know. Yeah, not, no, I hear it. It's not regular rotation. They're like a, they're that. like a friend who, when they're at the party, you're like, "Fuck yeah, Ron's here, dude! I haven't seen Ron in ages. I'm so glad Ron's here." But like, I'm not like they're trying like, to make plans with Ron. All two weeks time, later, like, I'm not like yeah, Ron, dude. Yeah. Are we chilling or what? Right? Bro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I was I was just to say that like I th- I would say that like the Big Thief, new Big Thief record, and like the Crack Up are both like you know fairly high nines for me. But yeah, no, Blonde is like the last like ten in my mind. And for what it's worth, I also think yeah, Saint Cloud is like a high eight, if not like a nine, basically. Okay. But yeah, not not either here nor there. All yeah. incredible records. But what is your uh, number one? All right, so we're down to it. My final record that I'm going to pick here, and this is one that I. So, like I said, I had the few... Fuck it. I'm going with Magical Clouds, and I'm going with Are You Alone. This is a record Fuck that I yeah. want to okay, really so ride for. Was it, I'm sorry. This is the first one? Uh, se- Second. Because I'm getting the name. Impersonator. impersonator. I, the okay, that's... One. Okay, there was no self-titled. Impersonator, this one came out Are You Alone. 2015, I yes, believe, or 2015. 20, yeah. Um, and I just want to ride for this band because I feel like they've kind of been forgotten to some degree. Not that they were ever, like, huge or well, anything. Well, there was, a. I think, the one of the two... Not the lead guy, but the other dude. There was some, like... Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah like I believe he's been canceled. Yeah, I don't. Again, I don't know the exact details. That sounds such like a funny. I believe he's been. I seriously I believe, the, I believe the government canceled him. Yes, from existence. Yeah, yeah. yeah they just been. They dissolved kind of quietly. There just hasn't been. I don't even know how much. The, he's done, the, the, Devin the, Devin Welsh yes, has yes. done. He's put out a couple solo records, okay. which I've dipped my toes into, and they're cool. It's a lot more like it's like him singing over like a string quartet and mm. stuff, and it's really cool. Um, but I. Yeah, I always got the vibe that he was sort of the driving force that like he wrote like the melodies and wrote all the lyrics and sort of the songs and then the other dude was kind of scrolling through synth patches. Yeah, he was their uh their Simon. He was their <laughs> No, no, he was their Garfunkel. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh, no, the Walsh was their or Paul Simon. Yes, yes. That's yes, right. Walsh yes, was yes. their Simon. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. Agreed, agreed. I mean, obviously we don't I don't even know the other guy's name. Whatever. Anyways. <laughs> 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 Anyways, yeah, this it's such like a, I mean it's really like 
this is I feel like the closest. This is Danny emo. This is like my emo. You know like, what? Yeah, I was like that actually makes a lot because Drake would be like the other obvious example. But as far like if we just want to go kind of beyond just like oh yeah the sad boy aesthetic like as far as just like in a kind of broader sense, I think that probably is true. Yeah, and if like I had to give like an elevator pitch on what Magical Clouds is, I would say it's like. Devin Welsh talks about Elliot Smith as being like one of his biggest influences, and I feel like it, it's like that set over like one synthesizer. It's like very minimal, like droney synthesizer stuff, but then it's like it's still like a pop song or something. It's still just like a sad like I don't know. How would you describe their sound? Yeah, no, I think that's yeah, very accurate. It's yeah, very just like slow, um, just minimal, stark kind of. Uh, you know, down. Not, I wouldn't want to say that's just like bleak and downtrodden, but it's just like kind of minimal and icy. But like there are just like great melodies and just great yeah, vocals and over that's top. That's where it probably and, pulls me. Is there's still like a traditional like? It's a really cool juxtaposition. Again, it's yeah. like instru- instrumentally, it's like it's very much like even with you, with you describing it, like it wouldn't necessarily seem like it's your bag on paper, but like the juxtaposition really works, and it's not hard to see why it's something that you're into. And they have a cool vibe too, where like I just feel like their look of like it was always like Devin alone on stage. He's got like a shaved head. He looks like he's like some like like Nietzsche student who like mm-hmm. is just has like really like serious, like straight edge politics. I don't know. He's just got like this very oh, intense sure. yeah, vibe yeah, yeah. to him. He mm-hmm. has this like intense eyes and like thick eyebrows and shit. And they're, pro- it's always just like him. Their videos are great too. It's always just like him alone with the microphone singing really intensely, not moving a lot, but there's just like a ton of passion. And then the other dudes are just kind of in the back on his little keyboard shit. Um, I like the idea that we're just constantly taking digs at this other guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fucking keyboard shit in the background. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Dude, Devin's fucking got a remote in his pocket. He's pulling all the triggers. Um, <laughs> it's just like, it's really like, they're always lit by just like one lamp. And there's like, a, like and it, it, they're awesome. Like they, I want to ride for them. I hope this music doesn't get like lost to the sands of time. I hope, some, I mean, I've always made the joke to you, too, that I thought that the next Grizzly Bear album after it sounded like them trying to do Magical Club. Oh, like three yeah, Rings specifically. Ruins. Yeah, Three Rings. That's right. Yeah, I do remember yeah. you bringing that up. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are great records. I, I don't. Uh, it's been years since I heard a Magical Clouds record, and I honestly don't, I don't even know if I've heard the any of his single work. I don't put them on there. That, that's like one of those records where it's like I don't put it on a lot, but when I put it on, it's like super intense. You know, mm-hmm. like it's like. Yeah. Well, yeah, very much just like a yeah solitary headphone sort of thing. Just like yeah, I mean, they're 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 very strong records. I mean, it's yeah, absolutely. Like well, I, I thought you were gonna say, yeah. it's a big winner record for me. A big winner. Okay, I yeah. gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally makes sense. Um, and I was just gonna say that like it be yeah like I obviously hope that you know these records don't get lost to time that he continues to do stuff and it'd be cool to see him at some point with you. Like I'd, oh, I'd like to yeah. like actually just go see a set of his because again it's like I. I whatever that sort of looks like. I mean, there's it's just such an intensity, and uh, it, he's just yeah, he's totally just you know of his own world. I mean, it, it'd just be cool to kind of just see that sort of thing. It's the ten year anniversary of Impersonator this year, and I also oh, I shit. feel like I yeah. feel like that's the type of thing too where I don't know what the legal the legalities are on it in terms of who owns that name and stuff, but I totally think that's something where in like in five years if he wants to just come back as Magical Clouds. Mm. Fuck it, dude, you're Magical Clouds. Like, <laughs> like if he wants to, like tour that album on like a. 10th anniversary oh, right. thing in yeah, 2025 yeah, yeah. and then put out like a new album or I'm totally happy with if they just leave it as those two albums because I think it's like perfect it's mm-hmm. like a great little moment in time yeah. but yeah alright so I'm excited to see can I can I throw out the two that I think it's going to be oh yeah absolutely one? please by all means alright so I've got 
Tyler the Creator Flower Boy. Mm, okay. So that's not it. And then I've got Deaf Heaven. Mm. Also not it. Is that it? Is no, that... it's not it. Which Deaf Heaven record, by the way? Uh, not Sunbather, the one that New came Bermuda. out after. Yeah, oh, I remember very good you guess. telling me that you like that one more, right? Yeah, I do like that one more. I think that those are both in my top ten. I think uh, New Bermuda just barely made it out of my five. It's like number six. Dude, can you give me the year that this record came out? 2010. My favorite artist of the 2010s, single solo artist. Oh, favorite. it's uh, Panda Bear. Nope. That came out. The favorite. That was my favorite album of the. Well, as far as the people, the person putting out. Your favorite stuff, solo artist you said. The, of the yeah, 20s. my favorite person put like putting out solo music throughout the 2010s. I think like you know Panda Bear just as far as like across the board like as an artist. Can you give me the, a genre? Electronic music. You actually turned me onto this record. What? The fuck's going on? All right, what is it? This is Cosmogram by Flying Lotus. Oh, yeah. I got it in my car this right is, now. That's funny. I yeah, see that was CD this every day. Joe CD? Uh, Lewis CD. Lewis, okay. Yeah. Lewis traded CDs with me. We lent each other some CDs and never. Okay. I, still have a, I have a burial LP. I would never have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's no way. <laughs> Which, and again, that's working too. It's like, oh yeah, Bearing and Flying Lotus. It's like, yeah, he's he's getting you the goods. He's getting you the goods. Oh, beautiful stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, so I got into Flying Lotus um, with, it was 2012 with Until the Quiet Comes, the record he put out that fall, which is my second favorite record of his. It's also either, yeah, I think it's in my top 10 of the 20, that's the double one. It's Until the Quiet Comes and Cosmogram are both mm-hmm. in my 10 of that decade. And um, I, um, so I, I was really into that at the time, and the, the duality mixtape with him rapping as Captain Murphy came out. I was very into that, so it was you know definitely like one of my favorite kind of artists that I was starting to get into. And then you turned me on a Cosmic a couple months later. It would have been like the winter of 2013, and I remember liking it, but I wasn't like it didn't really kind of click for me yet. And then the following year, uh, yeah, it, it, for whatever reason, it was just like that spring in the wake of a pretty bad heartbreak. For whatever reason, Cosmogramma just finally kind of clicked for me and like didn't know that like I just I needed some just like kind of uh, whiplash inducing beats and some like face melting sonics, but like or <laughs> mind melting sonics. But like, you know, that fucking Cosmogramma was the ticket. It really like it just it like across the board, just something like uh, My Blood of Valentine, honestly, where it really it felt like it just changed how I looked at just art and kind of life in general. I mean, there was just such a sort of spiritual bent to it. And I was, it definitely was starting to kind of just shift. Yeah. The way that I think about art, the sort of importance I put on art, like kind of what it meant to me, what it, how it spoke to me, whatever, what I sought out in it. And, um, the kind of thing where, I mean, it just drew me to so many different things that I kind of fell in love with later. Like I wasn't necessarily that big on whether it was just like drum and bass or different strains of just, you know, more kind of like abstract psychedelic jazz music or um, IDM or whatever the fuck. I mean, there was a lot of stuff with that he was drawing from that I kind of went out to explore later and I got huge into the L.A. beat scene and a lot of just, you know, the stuff that went yeah, on. We got to, worried about you for a couple of years there, man. We were, people were like, what's up with Dylan? I'm like, yeah, he's fucking just lost listen to beats. LA, he's lost in the L.A. beat scene, Don't listen to any music with vocals. I haven't heard from that guy I tried years. to try to put something on with vocals the other day, turn it off immediately, and hissed at me. Like, just, I don't know what's going on You with quit him. talking for years. You were like, listen, listen I don't <laughs> just need music weird, with words. Mirrored, I don't need life with words. Arithmetic beats with my mouth that just didn't sync up in any way. Like, I wasn't even trying to quantize any of my, my uh, communication. But, uh, yeah, it... Uh, yeah, I, I, I just yeah, I was very, very obsessed with this record for a long time. It, it definitely is still something that I, yeah, like all these, I think it sounds better every time I hear it. I'm just impressed with it more and more every time I hear it. There's new things that I discover. 
um, I think it like really just kind of set a new standard for electronic music and music in general. It was like it's just it's ambitions for ambition's sake. It really, yeah, it, it felt like he was just writing a new kind of language in real time. And until the quiet comes is an incredible kind of minimalist left pivot after that, which is just kind of worlds removed, but still you know comparable level ingenuity and you know had a lot of the same kind of players that were on there. Uh, Laura Darlington and Nicky Rana providing vocals, Thundercat playing bass all over it. But yeah, Cosmogram. Do you, pre- you prefer to Los Angeles? Cosmogramma? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's your favorite. Los Angeles is your favorite, isn't it? Los Angeles is my favorite, yeah. yeah I think that's, I mean, it's it's funny because it's like, oh yeah, Cryptogram is my fourth favorite Deer Hunter record. Los Angeles is my third favorite Flying Lotus record. But like, that being said, it's still just such on a high echelon. It's my, I would say Los Angeles is my second favorite album of 08 behind only Microcast and Weird Era. Mm. I still think it's like very high up my favorite albums of the aughts. Like, it just, it is one of, like, those records for me are all just so enormous. That period, 08 to like 12. Yeah. But what were you going to say though? What is, what is, he put out sense until the quiet comes so until the quiet comes yeah he it was the duality murphy uh mixtape f captain murphy and then there was like a a folder of like basically a lot of just like like unreleased material that he dropped in like late 2013 first of last the official album after that was your dead which was in 2014 that's the one that's is snoop dogg on that yes, right snoop dogg's that's, on that kendrick yes. lamar's on that that was huge i forgot about that that yeah. felt like a big thing yeah that was a, that really was one where like there were a lot of yeah like just real kind of huge pop culture figures on there blended kind of into his own world yeah and it it uh again as a whole was still just yeah very dense and strange and was eclectic his, but like there was some yeah, huge just kind of like big pop moments on there was but, that his last album no so that was like the last one before uh so he had been on a trajectory of like releasing new albums every two years essentially with that being in 2014 and then he took a break to do some film direct. like he created the film Cuso. that's yeah that's right so that came out it was basically like it you know would have been like during that album cycle so that he put it out i think in 2016 or 17 and then he came back with Flamagrara in 2019. Did you like that one? Which, I mean, yeah, I like that one. I like all of his records. That one is one of my least favorites of his just because it didn't feel like there was a real... I mean, again, Flying Lotus, what, part of what makes him just one of many things that really impressed me about his artistry is that he is legitimately a DJ, a beat maker, a producer, a band leader, a visionary. Like, just, he could, the fucking, just oh, the whole, like you know just an, a capital a artist through and through all of his like from 1983 up through your dad all of his records felt like they well actually i would really say you starting with los angeles los, los angeles through your dad those four records all feel like they had very distinctive aesthetics they all are doing like different things i mean just yeah like a very clear progression where every album is different but it kind of you know just the kind of ideal of any sort of artist that i'm into and Flamagara felt like it was sort of a encapsulation of everything, but it wasn't kind of like going in any sort of new directions with it. So it's a really good album, but like I would say it's a classic along with the other four. But I mean, I truly do think of him as like my favorite, like I still kind of think of him as my favorite kind of contemporary solo artist, like somebody that is still like, I think putting out consistently my favorite music, whether it's not necessarily in albums, but in remixes or singles or whatever. And he doesn't put out as much of these days, but like if I look at his like, and again, I mean, as, as throughout the tens, I think his solo work, yeah, it's just or his work is you know my favorite of any artist, and yeah, I don't think he's put out anything. Well, it was really just the uh, Yakuza. So there was this uh, anime that he scored, Asuka. So there was a soundtrack that he put out last year for that, which was what he was drawing, what he was drawing a lot from during his pitchfork set last mm-hmm. year. But yeah, it's another proper full length since 2019. So there's not like a lot of 2020s work that I can measure up as far as like, Oh, my favorite artist of the 2020s so far, but I still do think of him as like my favorite, you know, artist of the moment. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, and again, it's, I, yeah, I, I, uh, Cosmogram, yeah, it's very much something where it, 
it's such a head trip and such a hard sell to a lot of people. But like, I really do think that like it is yeah just one of the we're getting like one of the last perfect records in my mind before Blonde came out and something that yeah just completely set a new bar for yeah just kind of music on the whole really and there hasn't been like any like like one of those artists that like you know like Animal Collective that like just really you know blow my mind and kind of make listening to music really still kind of exciting for me in that way but yeah Mr. Ellison we thank you for all you do sir yes sir in the works of film and film and beyond sir across the world across sir across various forms of media you've shaped the way we uh i don't know yeah thank you steve hats and headphones off hats and headphones off ecstasy out baby ecstasy out (laughs) 